Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by CoventryCreations.com. You're listening to Keep It Magic Radio. 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 Are you ready to make some magic? Jackie and Storm are putting the pieces together for you. Find out what planets are changing the game and how to harness that energy. Get the latest metaphysical perspective on hot topics. Learn how to make magic work for you. Nothing is too hot or personal for Jackie and Storm to handle. Visit our website weekly for articles, updates, and the latest information to transform your life at www.keepitmagic.com. Now here is Jackie Smith and Storm Sestavani. Hey, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the season finale. That's season three finale of Keep It Magic. I'm Storm Sestavani, and of course, I'm here with Jackie Smith, but she can't talk for a few minutes. Um, because I have some business to get through, and I'm interviewing her, so it wouldn't be right for her to talk right now. <laughs> Cruise on over to www.coventrycreations.com, um, which is the sponsor of this show. If you have a problem in your life, regardless of what that problem is, whether it's love, romance, money, career, spiritual growth, whatever it is that you're currently facing issue with, we have a candle for that, so make sure and check that out. You can also, while you're at Coventry, Book a reading with Jackie. She is one of the most notable healers um, currently in the world, according to me. So you can take that as it is. Um, and cruise on over to my website, which is www.stormsestivani.com. Again, that's www.stormsestivani.com. And also visit keepitmagic.com. On keepitmagic.com, there is a place for you to sign up for the mailing list for this show. Um, so make sure that if you're not already on either the Coventry mailing list or um, my mailing list, make sure that you cruise on over to keepitmagic.com. Sign up for our mailing list. You'll get articles, um, monthly newsletter. You'll be getting a lot of things, especially as we move into the fall and we kind of revamp the site a little bit in regards to this show. So you're going to make sure that you cruise on over there. We will be starting season four of Keep It Magic at some point in September, so don't worry, there is a lot of archives. If you missed any shows from season three, two, and one, you can definitely go and catch up. You've got about a month to do so, um, a little over a month, about six weeks actually for you to do so, and then Jackie and I will be back, of course, um, in the fall. Now, Jackie, um, before we go, before, before we um, start interviewing you, there's two things that I want to talk to you about real fast. Number oh, one, am I allowed to speak now? Yeah, you're allowed to speak now. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's proper interviewing protocol. <laughs> this is a little bit more of a serious interview than we're used to. Okay. Um, because it's going to be the down and dirty on Jackie. So. <laughs> oh, wipe the smirk right off my face. So go ahead. Yeah. It wasn't sexist. <laughs> you're not Barbara Walters. We moved beyond that. <laughs> Um, which I still can't believe that she was allowed to ask one question to the males, too. I'm still baffled by the whole thing. Wait, what? When Barbara Walters took over for ABC News, mm-hmm. um, I think before we were born, or we were very young, okay, mm-hmm. um, uh, she started doing the evening news, 
and they had a male broadcaster, which I forget his name. It's not relevant, and I think that he should be moved into the world of irrelevance, uh, irrelevancy at this point. <laughs> um, uh, Uranus is turning retrograde today, so um, uh, so basically, um, she w- when they were interviewing somebody, Jackie, the male host was allowed to ask two questions, and she was allowed to ask one. They're very, they're very regretful of that decision, now, aren't they? Um, <laughs> probably, um, you know. But it wasn't uh, him that went off with this big, huge, gigantic retirement and all this other stuff. So it's pretty interesting. It's also interesting of what's going to be happening on the View um, in the fall. Rosie O'Donnell is back, um, uh, so that will be pretty interesting. And rumors of Sarah Palin being on that show. But first. I want to talk to you about the book you just won an award for. <laughs> Good, because I am not a View fan, so I'm glad to just let that go. <laughs> <laughs> we have our own view. <laughs> right. Um, well, I I am just so excited that DIY Akashic Wisdom won in the self-help um, uh, how-to category at the International New Age Trade Show. There's a, a group called Cover, C-O-V-R, Coalition of Visionary Resources. Mm-hmm. And they have um, categories in uh, music and books and sidelines um, where you can get your products or your books um, put up against all these other books for awards. And and that's the thing about book awards is you've got to put your book in there. They don't they don't go pluck it out of the ethers. So, we so they don't read all these books that the – preconception that there's somebody sitting in some room somewhere <laughs> reading all of the releases probably now on their Kindle um, <laughs> uh, is not actually doing that. No. Um, so, and, and that's fine. I'm not, um, it's, it's, um, I'm honored that, that we placed, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, and then I'm totally flabbergasted that we won. Not that I don't think the uh, DIY Akashic Wisdom is a great book, but when I um, I was on stage making a spectacle of myself, helping give out the awards, and it was such a crazy um, week and a half leading up to getting to, to INAT, to the trade show, because my mother had just passed and uh-huh. all that in my head. And then um, um, with uh, then once we got there, Patty got um, altitude sickness really bad, so um, she was not feeling good, so I had to step in and, and do her role on stage, which um, was entirely too much fun. Um, it's, it should be illegal how much fun I had. Um, so I'm up on stage, make it, being Vanna, you know, giving out awards, and all of a sudden they started getting to the books. And I went, oh, wait, we're up for an award. Hang on. <laughs> so I was looking at the awards as um, James Wanless was announcing the awards, because I wanted to make sure that um, the award matched what he said. You know, that's nice <laughs> to make sure I give the person the right award. And then I realized that um, we were up for one. I, I shouldn't realize. I remembered because my life had been so crazy. And, and so we stopped looking. So they're... they're um, <laughs> Otherwise, you would. That would have been opposite of me, Jackie, because you know I have to or- have everything ordered and precise. I would have checked first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was. I was like, "Oh, do you need me to arrange the awards for you?" Because that's what Patty and I had to do last time. They're like, "No, we've got it." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." And it didn't dawn on me. Oh, yeah, that's because mine's up there, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm about to win. <laughs> and I'm about to win, and um. 
Um, so, of course, I had to make a big spectacle of myself where I was crossing my fingers and mouthing, please, 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 when our book was up on the screen. And it took me a minute to notice the book that we were up against, the book that um, came in second, um, mm-hmm. which was The Artist's Way. So we, um, and it was a re-release of The Artist's Way. Mm-hmm. So it took me a minute. I was looking at it and going, What? Yeah, I would have kind of double, did a double take also. I don't even know if a book that has already been released, like 10 years from now, if you do a re-release of Coventry Magic, can you resubmit it again? Yeah, I think it's a new edition or an, or or it's it was in the Artist Way family of stuff. Okay. And and we know that those are really good life-changing books. Mhm. Um I've got nothing bad to say. Nothing yeah. bad to say at all. And I it was in that family, but I just looked as at the Artist Way and so that just was a huge um, validation of what we did that that we came in ahead of that, uh, that we won against. That well, congratulations Thank on that. Thank you very much. The other thing that you had going on is that you had um, your soul child halfway <laughs> around the world. Not only is she my soul child, she's my physical child. <laughs> your soul child. <laughs> your only child. My only child. Not S O L E, not S O U L, but <laughs> we've been um, we've been skyping and talking and and chatting all through Skype because we only talk when she has an internet connection because <laughs> I just do not want that phone bill. Yeah. <laughs> from Japan, so we had we rehearsed and made sure we we could um, Skype. And that has been, um, oh yeah, that's been a lot of fun. She, the glow on her face when we Skype, and even when she just first wakes up in the morning, because it'll be evening for us. They're 13 hours ahead of us, so I always te- tease her that, um, what's the future like? <laughs> Do we have flying cars yet? <laughs> Is there anything I need to know about the next 13 hours? <laughs> Is there anything coming our way? So we've been we've been giggling about that, and um, and by the time the show airs, she will be home. Um, but I'm 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 enjoying the quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but I have to say, in a, in a matter of three weeks, mm-hmm. my mother died. We went to the New Age trade show, won an award, um, were the keynote speakers, and um, I made a spectacle of myself on stage. <laughs> Yeah. For the awards. And that's the thing I think that stuck with everybody. <laughs> the spectacle? The spectacle. Because I was being very, um, very animated. Oh. And then I got to give out um, a couple of words that involved some speeches. So um, I punched it up a little bit. Oh, nice. So as I, I want to do, as I'm reading these words about, you know, who's getting the award, and then I'll stop and make a comment. And then it was really fun. And Patty wrote all the awards, um, all the the text for the awards. So it was, she's she was even yours. Um, no, no, no. For the, I gave out the uh, vendor of the year, the uh, retailer of the year, and then we did a special award for James Wanless. Um, oh, nice. So Patty wrote out a lot of the stuff. Um, we'll see where I am off the cuff. I am most comfortable if I really own my information and I think about it and I write down notes, I'm much more comfortable doing it that way than having everything plotted out. As you know, I threw away the scripts a long time ago. (laughs) Right. So Patty likes everything written out in detail where she's memorizing it. Yeah. And and she's more comfortable, say, reading something 
and I'm more comfortable going, having words that pop at me going, oh, yeah, that's what I want to talk about now. Yeah. And um, because it's, it, it, but that's our comfort zones. Because I have a terrible memory. <laughs> I mean, having seven aspects in Virgo, you think I would have a, a memory like a steel trap. <laughs> planets, Jackie. You have seven planets, not seven aspects. Seven planets. Yeah, you have about 32 aspects to Virgo. <laughs> so. <laughs> it, someone just looked at my um, chart again this past weekend and went, I've never seen anything like this. How are you even surviving? You're not. You're not making me feel good. Okay. Yeah. This does not make me feel good about myself. And yes, it's hard to be me. But I'm absolutely <laughs> fat. If somebody asked me that question, I would say, "Who's surviving?" <laughs> <laughs> what is the surviving word you're talking about? Right. <laughs> so today I am interviewing you. You are. You are interviewing me at the end of season four. I know, I got I got a year to think about. Yeah, you got a whole ask. year to think about what questions you're gonna ask me. <laughs> oh yeah. The uh so that'll be pretty interesting. Um uh so um everybody knows, Jackie, that you are the dominatrix of Coventry Creation. <laughs> the founder. Um the, the founder. Visionary. You know, the um uh, the Queen Bee. Of, I have uh, a whip in my office, contrary to the rumors out there. <laughs> <laughs> and ignore her if she is wearing leather. But um uh See, but it's just sweaty. I don't prefer leather. <laughs> you gotta powder yourself just to get that stuff on. <laughs> so Dominatrix Road, she is not gonna go, everybody. Um so <laughs> No, I would giggle too much. I yeah, exactly. Me too. I think I would go get on your knees. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, hanging on to the wall while I'm laughing and holding myself. <laughs> okay. Five yeah, five. I don't want the dark side to come out, you know. So it would be it would be kind of uh, difficult for me to <laughs> engage in that particular behavior. But you're the queen bee at Coventry Creations, yes. and um, a lot of people, Jackie, look at a company that's been around for a long time, like Coventry, and you know they see all the products on the shelves, and you know they see. Um, which I talked about with Patty um, uh, last during the last episode of how the products have changed over time, and you know how more adept that you've gotten at labels and packaging and all this other stuff. And they see a very very glossy product, okay? And they tend to think a lot of different things are projected upon that, including you know that you're running around as a millionaire, and um, <laughs> you probably because you own a business, you have more money than God. So. Um, uh, you know, you should be able to do whatever it is that you want to do. And um, uh, we have preconceived notions about, for whatever reasons, about people that own businesses. What I want to do is I want to go back to the beginning. <laughs> Let's see if I can even remember that. <laughs> um, you told the story a few times, including um, during an episode of the last show that we did, um, about how you started in this whole candle magic arena and making candles. Okay. And, uh, you know, you said that you were making Christmas gifts for family members. Um, now, what I want to know, Jackie, is, number one, how did, what is the lead-up to you even being interested in magic? Because you were born Catholic. Um, what brought you to the point where esoterica, um, the occult, um, the arcane sciences, what brought you to the point that you became interested in this? 
I think I always was. Um, I have I have always, even as a little kid. Um, now, granted, I didn't love going to church, mm-hmm. um, but I always talked about it. I always talked about. Um, did Did you make a list when you were a kid of the things you want to be when you grow up? No. You didn't. No. You didn't have that. My friends and I all had that. I want to be a teacher, or this or that. And one of the things that was always on my list is I wanted to be a nun, mm-hmm. which is crazy if you think about it. But that was the only option for a girl because I just, I loved, I loved Jesus. So I guess doctor and lawyer were out of the question since that was the only option. Well, um, well for, for in the spiritual world, okay. that was the only option for girls. I had to clarify before you got a lot of emails. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but in the spiritual world, that was it. Um, but I also had, um, I think I had teacher on there for a little while, and I had psychologist on there. You know, um, when I learned what that was, I thought that was a great idea. Um, so all of, but but everything that was on there on my list was there because of um, being in service. Mm-hmm. I, I found one of the lists that I made maybe when I was eight in a box of junk, like got ten years ago, and. It was, the nun was on there, but like fourth, fifth down, and teacher, nurse, um, all of these different things, except I think I had had hairdresser on there, um, like every good girl did at that point, but but all of them... My, how far we have come. I know, (laughs) Um, but all of it was about being in service. I even had um, missionary, Greenpeace, I learned what that was early on, so... All of that stuff was on there, and and um, because it it's something that I'd always been drawn to. Mm-hmm. I'd always been the helper friend, the friend that that you went to when you were crying. Um, that that just was me. So when I got older, um, and I was in my adolescence, and there was a teen program for <laughs> for the church, and and I was really into that. I even became a peer counselor. Um, this is ironic. Um, I was a peer counselor for Catholic Social Services mm-hmm. um, for a program called, are you ready for this? Go ahead. Communication Around Sexual Issues. Oh, interesting. So it was a, it was a, a thing, I thought you were going to laugh. Um, it, was a, it was a program based on um, not being afraid of the different words that describe our body and sexual situations, being empowered and, and being able to make the decision you want to make. Which, for the group I was with, was saying no. Yeah. But we also, the the um, social workers who ran this were also very aware that, that sometimes you're going to say yes, so know what these different words are, don't be afraid of them, and also don't be afraid to talk. And so it was um, teens in one room, parents in another. Um, I was in the teen room, and then um, it was like three nights, two nights where it was just with a teen, and then the third night was the parents were in the room, too, and they talked frankly with their kids, too. So it was actually a really cool program, and um, and that's really, from talking to other people, the other peer counselors, I learned about this crazy thing called metaphysics. Mm-hmm. And I always... So, but back up, back up. Yeah. So you're in this Catholic peer group. Uh-huh. And rather than you all talking about Jesus, Mary, and the Holy Ghost, you all were talking about, about metaphysics. Okay. <laughs> Sex and metaphysics. Sex okay. and metaphysics. Why not? Well, it was. Um, I became really good friends with, of course, all the guys, because mm-hmm. um, that's how I roll. 
And um, and, and this one guy in, in his house had a book on metaphysics, whether it's his or his mother's or whatever. I went, what is this craziness? Um, and it was the first time I realized all the things that I felt, all the things that I'd been experiencing had a name. Now, this was a very scientific, more like... Um, more like Edgar Casey. Yeah, no, it wasn't even Edgar Casey. It was it was a scientific metaphysics kind of thing. It was very, okay. um, like uh, um, I lost the word. Never mind. But anyway, there's a whole group of folks who in in the metaphysical spiritual world that follow the quantum. It was quantum. Quantum physics. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was more like that, which that didn't appeal to me, but it was an explanation of a lot of different things. And what was interesting is that I didn't agree with a bunch of it. Mm-hmm. Some of it explained, some of it I didn't agree. So then it drove me to continue to look. And um, within a couple of years, I was like, I got my first bu- book of room, runes. The blue book, the blue box, <laughs> the gray bag. I was a rune master. Two weeks, I was a rune master. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> well, and that's kind of what um, what happens when you get into this whole thing you um you just you fill up so fast with all that information that you feel oh, like you're becoming a master <laughs> very quickly sorry about that um and you're not it's just there's a ton of information out there so now now that I've been doing this for 30 years <coughs> sorry to say it's 30 years now they've been doing this for so long. <clears throat> you're like, oh, I remember those days. I thought I knew everything. Now, you were exposed to metaphysics at this particular point in the Catholic peer group. Mm-hmm. How did the the progression go from metaphysics beyond to witchcraft? <laughs> well, um, I I have to blame borders for that. Um, <laughs> As I I wanted to learn more about this stuff, and um, I started, I also, um, I don't know if I have talked about this on air, but during that time, I was also a very confused kid who hung around with a stoner crowd. And um, so all my friends started going through rehab Uh and going into AA, and I was like, okay, well, if I want to be friends with you, I literally, if I want to be friends with you, I have to go to AA with you to ensure, <laughs> to ensure that I am not going to tempt you upon the path of... <laughs> You're the only person I know of, Jackie, who went to AA to become a codependent. <laughs> right, to become a codependent. <laughs> yeah, to get the disease of addiction, you know. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I had, I, I was, I have, my, I have my own addictions, I have my own issues, mm-hmm. Um I never had enough money to really make booze and pot and drugs. That I was too chicken for that. Yeah. But also, I didn't really have the money for that. It takes some it takes some money on that one. Food was food is my addiction. Um, I'll I, as a kid, I would steal some money to buy some candy, but I wouldn't steal it for anything else. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I I learned I got into the twelve step program. I was there for years. Um, gosh, I was in the twelve step program for about six years, and it really kind of saved my bacon. It really helped me start to understand who I am. And then it really gave me this, oh, people have more than this Catholic God as their higher power. Mm-hmm. And and that using the word higher power 
and that that was another stepping stone along the way. So then I just wanted to learn more and more about what what this is, and I just kept going. And then I went to actually it wasn't Borders; it was Barnes and Noble, and uh, got there and started looking at this whole section of books that I never knew existed. And I, my first two was the runes mm-hmm. and a book on dreams and and just just it all started blossoming and then things would just show up in my life or people would show up in my life and they said, oh, I just got a book on this and then we'd trade books and and keep going. Now, during your time at Alcoholics Anonymous, of course, you met husband number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for people that don't know, um, Phoenix, Tony, Mm-hmm. Um, is, Durwood. Yeah, Durwood. <laughs> is husband number two. <laughs> uh-huh. So you met this guy. I met this guy. Um, and and you were 18, right? 17. I was 17. Okay. I was 17 years old, which freaks me out because that's how old my daughter is. But I was a very mature 17-year-old. Again, I was a go-to person. I was a level-headed one. I was the one who took life really seriously. The one who followed all of her friends to Alcoholics Anonymous yeah. to cure them. <laughs> yeah, exactly, to be of support to them. Um, and I didn't have any other friends. To be honest, I had no other friends. What was I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to make new ones. I was 16 years old. <laughs> you, just, you don't make new ones. You just follow the ones you got. And... Um, <laughs> and you met this guy who was interested in the 13th step step. The 13th step, absolutely, absolutely. And he's 20 years older than me. I was 17 years old. He was 37. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, as a 17-year-old, I didn't think there was anything wrong with that because, you know, I am awesome <laughs> as a 17-year-old. And your parents weren't raising an eyebrow to this? Oh, I kind of hid it from them. I absolutely hid it from them. and. Actually, my mother accused um, me of him being my pimp and wondered when I started whoring. So it was a little stressful at the time. Yeah. And I ran away screaming from, from the house I grew up in. And um, I didn't move in with him right away. It only took about six months for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was a, ch- a challenging relationship. Now, um, it really wasn't. I mean, it, towards the end it was challenging. In the beginning... He told me all the right things. He told me everything I wanted to hear and how an amazing person I was and that I was hiding my light under this bushel, and he was here to help me shine and grow. So he was like a cult leader? Yeah. Okay. I think, well, that's what he wanted to be when he grew up, to be honest with you. Um, and, and he really, no, I'm, I'm being very serious, too. He absolutely <laughs> wanted that to be his identity. So when I started talking about this metaphysical stuff and the spiritual stuff and and um, he was functionally illiterate, so going to a bookstore, he took me to a bookstore for my 20th birthday, or 19th birthday, something. I mean, this is how crazy my life was. So he took me to a bookstore so I could buy a book, because he really frowned upon me reading. <laughs> because he was illiterate. He was illiterate. He was functionally illiterate. I would read, I would read menus to him, and he said it's because he was dyslexic, and um, mm-hmm. severely dyslexic, and, and that's it could absolutely be the truth um, for him. I know lots of people who have overcome that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, with with that, um, being in a bookstore was a huge deal. And so I got these books. He had given me some cash for me to buy my own birthday presents, and I bought these books. And, and then he, he goes, well, what books did you buy? And I started talking about it. And he goes, oh, well, you know, I'm a witch from the 60s, from Plum Street, downtown Detroit, which is a very hippie place. and. Mm-hmm. 
I was initiated in... What did he do, hang out with Sibylik? <laughs> Just about. He said there was this coven of witches back in the 60s, you know, even before... He was initiated before I was even born, which <clears> should have made me go, wow, I need to get the hell out of here. But um, I was in awe, and and so he would he would say, well, tell me what you're learning. And I would tell him, and and he was... God, he was good. Oh, Storm, he was good. I would he would say, well, let me tell me what you're learning to see if they're they're actually writing it, if they're accurate. So I would tell him, and then he would take that and jump off on it, and say, well, yeah, that's pretty good, and I like what they have to say, and did they talk about this and talk about that, and using different buzzwords. Yeah. He was good. He's good. And I thought he was it. And I I don't know what was true and what wasn't, whether he had was actually initiated, but all I know is that everything he talked about, he said, well. Until you start learning about it, I'm not going to talk to you about it. You're not ready for it until it presents itself to you. Okay. Right. You feel that? <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. But yeah. <laughs> you know, he was good. He was really good. I was bamboozled completely. And um, and so we he so in me studying and telling him what I studied, he was training me how to be a witch. Now, you were. <laughs> how long were you married to him? I was with him um, eight years. Okay. Almost now, nine. Now, so the two of you were studying witchcraft. Uh, uh-huh. Actually, you were studying and you were teaching him. Um, <laughs> by proxy, uh, yeah. Yeah, by proxy. Um, and the two of you took some courses and uh, some other stuff in regards to enhancing your skills, one of which was herbalism, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually we end up in your kitchen. Yep. And uh, it's Christmas time. And you're making gifts for your loved ones, friends, family members, things of that nature with $100. Mm-hmm. Where did this get to the point that you actually thought, or how did this get to the point that you actually thought, maybe I can build a business with this? Well, um, a couple things happened. Is I thought I was just playing. Yeah. And um, my ex-husband thought that this could be a business. And I'm like, candles? Who would buy candles when you could make them? Look, I make them. Yeah. <laughs> Lazy and, people that don't like to make them like me. Right. <laughs> and um, he came up with he came up with some, um, we got some PVC pipe and, and some caps to the PVC pipe, and we made our own molds out of really just garbage. And because we didn't have any money at that yeah. time. Um, and one of the reasons why we never had any money is because he couldn't keep a job. He, he literally couldn't keep a job for a variety of reasons. And it was it was really hard. It was really hard to um, be, at that time, you know, 22, 23 years old, and I've got a $9 an hour job and I'm supporting him and myself, and he's got big taste. And he liked to go to the strip clubs, and he liked to wave his money around, and he liked to, he wanted to, you know, be the cult leader, and so he was the go-to person, the, the father figure for all of the, all of the dancers. So he was trying to be a, ball, a baller on a dollar store budget. Right, on okay. on his on his wife's dollar store budget. So um, he started. I I designed everything, and I started the the routine and and the techniques, and and then. Um, the only reason I turned it into a business was because I needed him doing something to bring some money in. Mm-hmm. And but this is one of those lessons where you got to back up and go, I wouldn't have done it. 
mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gone out um, in this direction. I wouldn't. I would have kept on that that same safe direction for a long time because it was okay. It was safe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. You know, I was in. I was in my retail career. Someday I could be a regional manager for Woolworths. Um, so that's that was my trajectory, and and so he helped. You know, he he was a machinist, a machinist who couldn't find a job. Kind of ridiculous. Yeah. So um, he had some skills with knowing how to just put stuff together out of nothing, and he and I I was got him to make these candles and run this because I needed to keep him out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's again that's just one of those things where. Where you have to look back and go, that's why you're in my face. That's why you're in my path. So, how did you find customers? Um, I went to. Well, we were going to go to Seattle um, to get jobs because they were. We were looking all because he he said he couldn't find a job. He couldn't find a job. Well, I found out later he had a really bad reputation, and for a multitude of reasons, so nobody would hire him because his his um his uh. Who, um, references wouldn't pan out. Yeah, yeah, we got rid of that guy, you know. Yeah. So he was a great liar, so I didn't know what the heck was going on. And um, we were going to go to Seattle where they were hiring like crazy, and there was lots of jobs. It was the um, lowest unemployment in the country. So we scraped together some money, borrowed money. Um, I took some of the money we borrowed, and I uh, made candles. And um, he hit the roof when he saw that I made candles with some of the money. I go, we're going to sell them, we're going to sell them. He hit the roof so bad, there's a couple of holes in the wall right by where my head was. Um, so it was it, it had gotten to that really volatile situation. and um, But I packed up. This is when you could, like, take seven boxes on the airplane with you mm-hmm. without any extra fee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... I packed up all these candles. They probably look like um, firecrackers, giant firecrackers. And they didn't blink an eye, and they put them on the plane, and like, we got them when we got there, and we're schlepping around literally four boxes of candles. Um, and while he was, the plan was, while he was going to all these um, job interviews, I was going to um, sell these candles. Mm-hmm. When we landed, Boeing, um, the headline was Boeing that had laid off like 10,000 people. So all of his job interviews were canceled. Uh, but it's where I needed to be. So together we went around to Tacoma and Olympia and Seattle, and I think we sold like seven stores. So this is really early in the um, in the in the process, in this new age process. And there was nothing like this. I sold everything I brought with me, everything, and it paid for the trip. Now, did you have business cards made at this point? Were you officially a business, no. or were you just there by happenstance? Um, I was trying to officially be a business. I hadn't incorporated or, or become an official business other mm-hmm. than this is my name and this is my social security number. Yeah. And um, my business card was the label because I had our phone number on the label. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I just really was um, very naive in this whole process, and so people started calling me. They started, they would, um, once we got home, there was, like, messages on our, I don't know how many, was it five, three, ten, I don't know, 
messages on our answering machine of people who had found our products in Seattle and wanted to get more. And all of them were business owners. None of them were independents. Mm-hmm. Also, um, so there's several new customers, and there was also reorders from the people I sold to. Okay, so you, you're you're now back in Detroit, mm-hmm. and you're starting to get these particular orders. Mm-hmm. Um, how how long was it before you realized that you needed to form a real business here? Um, right away, and and um, we realized, okay, this is it. This is what we're doing. I had been laid off from my job at that point too. Mm-hmm. Um, I had. Um, was an office manager at a software firm for a couple of years, and I got them all organized. And they didn't need me anymore because their business had gone down. And so I'm I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to take this um, opportunity and do this. And so I was listening to my ex husband as far as how, what it is you need to do to have mm-hmm. a business because he knew. Because of course you know now he's had a business before, so he knows what it takes to have a business. Yeah. And um and I I'm so grateful that I started asking other people behind his back, completely behind his back, like, well, how do you do bookkeeping and how do you do some basics of this and how do you do basics of that? And, like, you know, I wanted – I didn't even have a computer at this point. I was going over to – Did they have computers back then? Don't even start with me, mister. <laughs> <laughs> We're in 1992. I mean yeah. – <laughs> So you could go to Kinko's and you could do your desktop publishing at Kinko's. Okay. And have everything printed out. So I had my my masters that I would take over to Kinko's, and they would copy it onto certain paper. I mean, my, everything was determined by the available resources. So, so your office was Kinko's. My office was Kinko's, and my former employer they had changed their letterhead, and they had got ten, twenty reams of of um, second sheet paper and and letterhead that um, they gave to me. So it is gray. So Mm -hmm. my first labels were gray. And they were gray for two or three years until I ran out of all that paper. And um, so that's how how Coventry's was born from from necessity and trash picking and and freebies and just making it work, just making it work and, and having the tenacity to continue to make it work. So how long was it, Jackie, before you were a big business? I still don't consider myself a big business. You're a big business. How long? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually in in um, uh, financial standards. I'm considered a micro business. A, a micro business, but you know, but a real business. an operation. Yeah. Yeah, with employees and stuff. Year and a half. Within actually within a year, I needed employees. Within so I had one or two, and then that grew, and we were highly inefficient. So I needed a lot of employees. <laughs> <laughs> So you get your first building. A year and a half later, yes. Okay. Um, and were you making plenty of money by this point? Um, I Plenty of money is, is a relative. It, it is relative, but based upon, you know. Um, uh, I was able to grow. Absolutely. Yeah. We were doubling our business for the first five years. We were doubling it every year, which is actually really hard to keep up with. Yeah. And that is when your business is running you. And that's when you know, if you're doubling your business every year, you know a couple of things. One, you're underpriced, mm-hmm. and you're giving the stuff away. Two, um, it's going to be short-lived, so you got to capture that market and the, and the highest amount you can at that moment. And 
and um, three, you're going to you're going to grow yourself to a point where you where you become um, the serpent who eats its own tail. Um, so you can people don't don't know that you can control your own growth. I learned this a, a while later, um, but I just kept growing and growing, thinking that I was never going to stop growing. And within the first seven years, um, we had hit a million dollar mark in a twelve month period. Um, but also, we hit a giant $30,000 loss because it was really inefficient. Now, during this particular process, Jackie, the thing that, and I think that this happens to a lot of businesses that began in the 90s, is that things especially, we went through a huge period in which pretty much money was going in the backyard for the whole country. I mean, during it was the Clinton years for anybody that wanted to know. Um, you know, while Bill Clinton was was president, we were doing very, very well economically as a country. And, you know, pretty much if you needed some money, you can go back outside to the money tree and pull you some money off and uh, off you go. Um, 2000 hits and the world, there was a tech bubble in 99. Mm-hmm. It burst. Um, uh, in 2000, um, uh, growth started to slow down a bit, and of course we know in 2001, after 9/11, that you know, and after the next administration, the Bush administration, didn't plan for a huge terrorist attra- attack, so they cut all the taxes and everything, and a downward spiral began to occur um, in the United States. Now, how, what, especially from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. In the metaphysical industry, there seemed to be a huge... Well, around that time, a couple of things happened. Sure. In, in the history of, of all this stuff, as, as, as I remember it, the metaphysical community was booming. There were a lot of stores. It didn't take much to open up a store. There were a lot of vendors. Um, you know, you, you could get your New Leaf catalog and, and fill your store with everything you needed from books to um, sidelines. But there really was very little barrier to entry for people coming in in the candle world. So we had a lot of people, plenty of people copying us. Mm-hmm. And they came in cheaper, as the competition does. If you're going to you're gonna copy somebody, you come in cheaper than them. <laughs> There's your market. And I, did, I don't, didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't understand. Um, they out-marketed me. They absolutely out-marketed me and out-positioned me with an inferior product because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Also, I didn't know about things like quality control and and all. I was it was too the growth was too crazy, too mm-hmm. fast, and so things suffered. I think my quality suffered. I think um, we had temp help people that were just trying to fill orders. Um, Anyway, um, th- that that was happening. My competition was getting heavier, and um, distributors were not as excited and interested in us. And so it just it just was this whole thing. And by the time 2002 rolled around, um, I was in in over three hundred thousand dollars in debt, mm-hmm. and I had no idea how I was going to get out of it. Now, Jackie, what happens psychologically when, you know, you are doing this by yourself, you're the only game in town? Mm-hmm. Somebody, of course, in your case, stole the look, design, yeah, and presentation of yeah. your candle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what goes, what was going on with you at that point? Giant F on my forehead for failure. 
that and fluke. I'm a fluke and a failure and a fraud and all those f words. <laughs> it's really how I felt, and and um, I had there's so during this time. I mean, um, uh, I had within a year and a half, two years, within two years of um, starting the the company, I realized my husband at the time was behaving inappropriately with my employees, especially my 16- and 17-year-old employees that he insisted that I hire. So I had to get him out of there. Mm -hmm. Folks had an intervention with me saying, this is really what's going on and he is lying to you. And there's ten of us. And one of him. And one of him. And he's lying to you about this stuff. And we realize he's lying to you and you're believing him and I don't know what to do. And, you know, if we get fired tomorrow for this, fine. At least, you know, we love you and we want you to know this. So off you went and got a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was really, I knew it was going on. I kind of knew it was going on, but I didn't know it was going on. I thought, well, he again, he's really good. Yeah. He made me think I was crazy for thinking that this was inappropriate. Don't you know that we live and, uh, you know, we, um, we're we not going to be dictated to by how we have to live and... um don't let the man keep us down, and it's okay if we have free love. And I'm like, oh my god! After a while, I'm like, this is this is bullshit. Oops, bleep me. So <laughs> this is not this is not the way it is. So big intervention, and then I knew I had to get him out of Dodge. I had to get him out of the business. And that was my first thought. I got to save. I got to protect all these folks mm-hmm. and get him out of um, the business. But then after a moment, I went, wait a minute. I don't. If I don't want him in the business, I don't want to go home to him. And that's when I realized that that was it. I'm done. I'm getting a divorce. Um, and then I had all these people jockeying for position in my life. They were going to take this role. But, yeah. You know, it, it was a void, and it needed to be filled. And I was very confused. So I had these people around me who were um, literally, I and I picked the, per- the per- perfect person to step into that role who was going to lie to me as equally as he did. Oh my god. So, you know, it it was it was nuts and and I was not in a good mental place because I started off with being um a crazy teenager who was emotionally distraught and really empathic and not knowing what to do with all the psychic energy that she had and finding someone to feed that crazy and then finding the next person to feed that crazy. The crazy stays with you. You can change the people and the players in the game, but you're still playing the same game. So, Jackie, in many ways, like, you know, you see this often with uh, people in um, in the entertainment industry in which, you know, the, the, the music, movies, whatever, you know, they have a great huge album. They have sycophants that then come around them. Mm-hmm. And people around, in your case, the product of these candles, mm-hmm. um, uh, can smell the wonderful smell of money. Mm-hmm. And um, as a result of that, they wanted in on that and in this process started manipulating you similar to your husband, correct? Yeah. That's exactly it. And how did you how did you handle and deal with that? Um, I bought into it for a while because, again, I had this skewed... Um, skewed vision of what's normal. Yeah. And um I, I was I was programmed as to what's normal, so it took a while for me to get through that and 
um, really, I, I met some people who who were finally saying, this is not normal. They, like, literally put their hand on the table, made a big noise so I would wake up and pay attention. This is not normal. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. And you are buying into the crazy. And um, so I just I woke up a little bit more, and I woke up a little bit more, and woke up a little bit more. But this isn't, like, one year, next year, next year. This is, like... A long time with my first husband, then another three years, and then another. You know, so it's, this is this is a life, um, a lifestyle that I was mm-hmm. breaking, um, of always looking for someone to come and save me, and that is so much. That is so much a cop out. Um, I'm not going to stand in the front of my business, and I'm not going to be the face of my business, and and the person that you know is running this business because that's a scary place to be. What mm-hmm. if I fail? I'm in front. Yeah. And um, it's me they're going to laugh at. Yeah, yeah. It's me they're going. I'm, I'm the vulnerable one, and so I I kept bringing people into the um, scenario who would be that person, but at the same time they were um, they would um, they would be my helpmate. They would help me through all this stuff. They would be all of these things for me, and then um, but then in the end betray me because they smelled money, like you said. I don't know how they smelt money. They must have smelt somebody else's money because there was no money and all this stuff. That's what happens when you're around essential oils all day. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it's, you know, I mean, it gets into your head and clouds the judgment after a while. Yeah, in, uh, in, in 2001, 2002, Patty and I didn't get paid. We didn't pay ourselves for two years. Well, Patty got paid, but not as – she got paid like the wage everyone else got paid. Yeah. Um. And I didn't get paid because by that time Phoenix is in my life, and um, and he would not be my hero. He refused, mm-hmm. which is interesting because his personality is very heroic. Mm-hmm. He is very much um, the guy who who's going to come in and and help you sort it out. And he would not yeah. do that with me, which is very a very interesting thing for me that that's how that worked out. Um, and I'm very grateful for him for that. So when did you get rid of all of these people? Um, most of them I got rid of, um, I started in 92, so like 98, a lot of them I got rid of in 98, and then they they cycle through. You know, like, oh, you're another version of crazy, okay. I mean, I, you know, shoot, I still... Yeah, same person, different face. Right. So um, I'm still, I just, you... you you get better and better qualities of crazy over time, um, but then you you got to sniff it out and go, oh, oh, that's what that is again. I recognize that. <laughs> I know what that's gonna that's gonna end in tears. We got to get you out of here. Um, and so it took it took a while, but I feel like really every five years we were recreating Coventry. It's almost like we were starting from scratch over and over and over and over again. Well, you know, this is a question I'm sure that everybody has on their mind, Jackie. Um, And I want you to clarify this a bit because I think um, it is really, I I think that more, I would have to say seven, eight years ago with you, is basically where a large shift began to occur 
I know it astrologically from looking at your chart. Um, uh, and you started to move more in a very heavily transformational magic direction, mm-hmm. um, which is where you're at now. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of people, and I'm sure that you know, you have these business ups and downs. You filed bankruptcy. No, um, you didn't file bankruptcy. Um, no, I just kept hanging on. I hid some stuff in okay, another you location. Kept, you kept, <laughs> okay, you, you kept holding on. Um, you went through financial crisis after financial crisis, mm-hmm. and I am sure that a lot of people would basically say, "Why didn't you just light a candle?" And I did. And I think I think that this is a great teaching moment right here, Jackie, because it gives you an opportunity to really explain how magic works for you now rather than the idea. Because you know my philosophy. I think that we need a little bit less Samantha Stevens and a little bit more Jackie Smith. <laughs> um, uh, because I think that there is still this particular ideal that, it's all that it takes, Jackie, is for us to go and pick up one of Coventry's beautiful little candles. Um, and, uh, you know, with all of the oils done and they smell fabulous and wonderful. And don't even think about it, Jackie, and just light the candle and that that's going to take care of every single problem in our life. Okay? One candle, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I've been using my candles this whole time. And there was a time period where um, in the middle of of a lot of this crazy and, and like, 98... Um, it's really weird to say the years. I'm like, oh, that was, yeah. Yeah, that was 16 years ago. Yeah. Um, Where I kind of stopped doing magic, Um, where I had lost some faith and I was just going through the motions. Mm -hmm. And the universe always brings somebody to you to smack you around and wake you up. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm saying it specifically like that because I did feel smacked around. I did have another brand of crazy. But these are people who reminded me how much I love magic, mm-hmm. how much I love spirituality. And I could, um, and my daughter was born in 97. So 97, right after she was born, I was I was on my maternity leave for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, one specific woman who worked for me tried to have a coup and take over the business. While you're on maternity leave. While I'm on okay. maternity leave. So I had three weeks of maternity leave. I had to come back because it was crazy. Um, so there was no 16 weeks of, of, you know, relaxing and the healing and, and getting through the hormones and loving up my baby. I, I had to, um, I had to bring a three-year-old, three-week-old into the business to fire people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to be there because I had to fire all these people because <laughs> they went, they went cuckoo. And, um... And I lost a lot of faith at that time. I, I was really hurt and I was really damaged. Yeah. And I was really hormonal and I was crazy. I can't just call everybody else crazy. I was crazy storm. Um I was I was postpartum. Yeah. But keeping it together by, by a used piece of dental floss. And um I had Patty and that's when she showed me how much of my partner she is. Mhm. Um and that's when she started helping me and really because I couldn't I, you know, and I'm a little bit control freak, so I'll try and do everything myself until I find somebody who can do it for me. And then I completely abdicate. Yeah. And, and that's an absolute sign of a control freak, by the way. If you don't need to control it, you're not interested in it. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to call it what it is, right? And 
Um, it, and that's when I started doing different healing work. I started using different homeopathy. I, I met a, um, Laura, who is an amazing homeopath, and she was helping me with a lot of emotional stuff and postpartum. She ha- helped me with my pregnancy, too, because I was really sick. Um, I actually couldn't eat um, for a long time. If I got hung- if I got hungry, uh-huh. it would make me sick, and then I wouldn't be able to eat for two days. Um, it was crazy. So it was really so I had these crazy people around me. Um, this one woman who was my right hand um, before Patty was my right hand. Um, she would laugh at me on a daily basis, going, "Oh my God, I cannot imagine you as a mother." She had three, four kids of her own, and um, she's like, "Oh my God, thank God you have me. You're going to be so pathetic." I mean, this was this was my daily, multiple times a day um, audio file yeah. <laughs> going through my head. So you get crazy. So the baby starts crying, and you're thinking, I'm a pathetic mother. I'm yeah. a... <laughs> it takes a yeah. long time to deprogram all that. And, and I had some, um, and the universe plopped some good people in my lap during this process, and I learned a lot. So um, this has been a long journey, but you just keep going. And, and so you get to a point where you're like, either I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. Now, did this reignite your love for magic at this particular point? Absolutely. Absolutely it did because um, my magic was working for other people. So what we did with the candles, and I still followed, and here's the interesting thing, I followed the rules. Mm-hmm. I followed the rules that I laid out and how we make the candles. I followed the recipe. And and people kept telling me how much this worked for them. And I was getting pissed mm-hmm. because it wasn't working for me. Yeah. And then, I, and then I had an aha moment of, but I'm not following the rules. Yeah, why wasn't why was it? It's not working for you. I wasn't the following the rules of my life. And so that's when a lot of that transformational magic came in. I started saying, well, why isn't this working for me, but this is working for you? I sell you a prosperity candle, and you get the million-dollar job. I light a prosperity candle, and I get a $100 order. Yeah. What's going on here? <laughs> What's happening? And um, And that's when I started literally saying, why? Why does this happen like this? What's going on? And then I started, you know, since I kept asking those questions, asking those questions. There's a guy who um, I did a radio show with before you, and um, he was looking for his tagline, and I looked at him and I said, um, question everything and believe in yourself, because that's what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Questioning everything and believe that I can get through it. Because I kept looking for the that magic person to come in and, and make it all better. I'm the only person who can do that in my life. You're the only person that can do that in Storm's life. Patty's the only person that can do that in her life. Because, you know, I think I said to you um, during one show, is somebody could give me a magic pill to lose weight, and I just had to take one a day for three months, mm-hmm. or one a day for, 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 for the rest of my life, or even for a week, I wouldn't do it. Because there's, there's a reason why I'm in this place. And a magic pill isn't going to cure it. I would forget to take it. I would forget to take that stupid thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots of supplements that actually work for increasing metabolism, and I mean, they're good ones. They're not. They're just. I mean, just eating. Um, gosh, what was I reading? Um, eating more blueberries. Yeah. And, and I don't like blueberries, so that was the easy one to ignore. But just, just eating less and moving more. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are some very, very simple things, but I'll manage to mess that up. So um, because I have something internally that needs to be healed, 
And so that's why it's been a journey this entire time, and I continue to light my candles. And people say, well, you know, you're lucky. You've had you've had all these great things. I've healed a lot of things to open up the door to those things coming in. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what a lot of people um, miss is um, they can get caught up in the glitz and the glamour and, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, all of the particular trappings of owning a business. Mm-hmm. And I think that probably the most compelling and the reason that I wanted to interview you today was to show that this isn't all gloss and glamour and people go through difficult times and they go through their frustrations and um, oftentimes when you do become a million dollar a year business, then it becomes new level, new devil. Mm -hmm. Um, And that we're always in a constant state, no matter where we are, in regards to our checkbook, um, in regards to what it is that we're doing, um, we're always in a state in which um, uh, we're evolving in in some capacity. Now, I, I just want to add something to that. Um, yes, I've written books, and I've done a lot of work with a lot of folks, and um, and I have to say that even just the other day, my husband said to me, "Hey, I'm really happy to see that you're over." Uh, making sure you have a really negative person in your life. And I looked at I mean, this is like in the past couple of weeks. And I mm-hmm. looked at him and I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and one of the things that I've always said is, oh, I really like being friends with bitches. Mm-hmm. Is that a word I can say? I think so. Yeah. Um, I like being friends with, with women with attitude. And he said, that's nice and all, but you become friends with negative women with attitude, mm-hmm. there's a difference. Yeah, there's a difference between a bitch and a woman that has herself together and is actually doing something, you know, a beautiful, intelligent, whatever words they now use, the acronyms they use to describe it. And someone that um, uh, is um, a bitch with an axe to grind. <laughs> right. And so I was keeping um, um, women in my life who who – were more who, who were using me as their step stool. Mm-hmm. So they were more interested in um <laughs> they were much more interested in in me failing and them feeling okay about it even though they 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 act like a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just and then it becomes more as I clear out that one from 10 years ago and then I clear out that one from 7 years ago and I'm clearing out that one from 5 years ago. They get better and better quality. Yeah. But then I realize that there's an underlying thing there. Um, and then, you know, and then now I'm at this point where, oh, this friendship could turn that way if I don't heal. This is a wonderful person who's in my life, a very good friend, and we could go there if yeah. I don't heal this. Yeah, exactly. It's still happening today. So it's not like, oh, I can talk about how I healed this seven years ago or ten years ago or 17 years ago. It's all layers of it. It's like scraping paint, you know, 20 layers of paint off an old um, lawn chair. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can relate. There's, um, uh, you know, after going through a few years of psychotherapy and um, looking at 
you know, my life in a very, very introspective way. I can see, Jackie, where it's very, very easy and even still very, very easy for me to fall into the, okay, I'm going to trust you and then you're going to betray me mode. It's very, very easy for me to fall into that particular mode. And what I'm having to do at this particular point is really flip that switch. Um, uh, uh, I'm going to trust you. And if you betray me, I guess that's just the way that it is. Yeah. And it has it, it, it has been an ongoing process. Maybe I, when, when we do the show and, you know, at the end of season five, you know, I may have a different perspective on it, but uh, I hope uh, so. You know, it's more of a, of a letting go process at this particular point of those particular expectations. So well, even my perspective on some of this stuff has changed in the past six months. Yeah, because there's always events, there's always things that change, and even in the past week, some of it has changed because I just started reading um, uh, "Women, Food, and God." Mm-hmm. I'm only a couple chapters in, and I'm like, oh, I gotta. I'm not. I don't want to do anything else until I push myself through this book. Because <laughs> I don't want to read it. I want to read it, and I don't want to read it. It's that good. There was recently, Jackie, an article in the New York Times that Lori Taylor, Lori Cabot, um, posted. Who's the official witch of Salem? Who posted on her Facebook page, in which she put in her little headline, um, you know, this is what we should really be focused on as witches, not. It, um, infighting. And basically the article was that there are certain places still in the world in which witches are being, um, uh, you know, killed um, for their particular beliefs. Um, because of that, I, you know, and with your vast body of knowledge in regards to magic after um, uh, 22 years now of doing this, um, what do you think? What do you think is wrong in which, or what do you think that people are doing wrong in witchcraft right now? And how do you think that it should change? Um, I think that's a really great question. And no matter what my answer is going to be, I'm going to make a whole bunch of people mad. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go for it. Um, I think in in witchcraft, we keep our worlds way too small because when you decide to embrace Wicca or witchcraft or alternative religions, especially Wicca, there becomes this um, myopic view on I have to defend this this position mm-hmm. to the core of my being, to my very last breath, because it was oppressed, mm-hmm. because we were wronged, and so we have to defend this. And there's nothing wrong with defending that. Yeah. Um, where my challenge is is when you defend that to the exclusion of learning anything else from any other spiritual path. So you'd think that a bunch of pagans would support each other because mm-hmm. all these alternative religions and alternative spiritual faiths, you think they'd like back each other up a little bit? Yeah. They don't. They don't because my my magic is has bigger testicles than your magic. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that every witch does this. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying that every spiritual path does this. I'm certainly not saying that at all. Or even every Wiccan does this. But it's so easy to become... Remember I said I got my bag of runes and I was reading for two weeks and I'm an expert? Yeah, yeah. There is the ability to become that in, instant expert to be very validated in this in this small world and to say, okay, I'm comfortable here. I can... I can manage and control my life from this very small space. Um, but what happens is when you learn new things, 
your world becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And when your world becomes bigger, then your views are challenged. And if your views are challenged, what if you're wrong? And if you're wrong, what if this thing that you've been defending is wrong? And what I say to all, and and as I've seen happen over and over again, and then I meet somebody pretty awesome like Christopher Penzik, who has a book out, not only of his Temples of Witchcraft book, which are have changed the face of of working magic and spirituality and this pagan spirituality. But then he has a book on Reiki magic. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing that and I go, really, Christopher? Where's this Reiki coming from? Because usually you talk to a witch and they don't want anything to do with Reiki. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say usually. I'm, t- I'm going back in, a little bit more into my early days. Um, but even today, I mean, um, there's a few folks I know that, that the witchcraft and the Reiki go hand in hand, but a lot of times the Reiki practitioners don't want to talk about the witches and the witches don't want to talk about the Reiki. But here's Christopher Penzik who has a book on Reiki magic. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm like, oh, thank you for writing that. And he goes, well, there's I, he, Christopher loves learning new stuff. Christopher and I sit there and talk about um, the Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. But not the Kabbalah as in as it's been interpreted to be used in witchcraft, but the Kabbalah as in how it's taught in the Jewish faith. Yes. So we have amazing conversations about Lurianic Kabbalah, yeah. What did you say? It's called Lurianic Kabbalah. Lurianic. Cool. Luri, L-U-R. Uh, uh, it's from Isaac Luria. Cool. Yeah. Lurianic Kabbalah. So, so when I find more and more. Um, pagans, witches, alternative religious people who are willing to open their mind to all kinds of different ideas and to grow, what I see is acceptance and no fighting and a larger world and and more opportunity for them. And I'm not talking about financial opportunity. I'm talking about emotional opportunity to connect with somebody else and have them listen to you. Yeah, be the way that you want the world to be. Exactly. So um, so I I talk to people from all kinds of faiths, and I was talking to somebody in the um, who works in in the Hindu world. That's mm-hmm. that's their faith, and I mentioned Christopher Penzik, and they said, "Oh, I've read some of his stuff." And then we had a very interesting conversation. So it it becomes um, if you if you allow your world to get bigger, and if you allow some of these things, these ideas that might threaten you, to kind of ease their way in. What happens in the long run is that you become stronger in your faith and your understanding of how energy works for you and less threatened. Uh, Exactly. I've got two more questions for you. Okay. These are easier. (laughs) Um, uh, The first one is, what product, Jackie, do you think that is out there that everybody should go buy right now? Oh, what product that everybody should go buy right now? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna jump in my way back, and I'm gonna talk about Dr. Bronner. <laughs> it's not a new product. I this sounds crazy, but I I use Dr. Bronner's soaps magically all the time, mm-hmm. and um, it's it, they still make it in the same way they made it before. They still use essential oils in it. They don't broadcast it. The guy is kind of kooky. Yeah. Um, I think he's the original Dr. Bronner, who is not really a doctor. Um, I think he's a little bit crazy, and he put all of his energy into the soap. But it's great stuff. And and actually, um, I find it's good stuff, too. So I, does that sound kind of crazy? 
But I was just saying that to somebody the other day, and I said, um, don't you magically use Dr. Bronner's? And they went, oh, what a brilliant idea. I mean, peppermint soap. I wash with peppermint soap every day for protection. Yeah. Clear out the old stuff, clear out my dreams, and, and I walk around protected. <laughs> I mean, how perfect is that, right? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, who do you think that people should listen to right now that they may not know? Who do you think out there has it going on? Um, who has it going on? Um, Danielle Laporte from Desire Map. She has the... Uh, um, She's got some really transformational magic that she does in the name of understanding what your life is, what you want your life to be, yeah. what you really want out of life. Um, so there's a lot of these folks who are in the, hey, what do we classify that storm? In the, it's like the self-help world, but yeah. it's not the old self-help world. It's the, oh, this stuff really works self-help world. It's not, it's just really interesting. It's about, I think they're probably more the life-coaching Life coaching, that's what I was going to say. They're more in the life coaching world. Um, I'm super impressed by, by her work. I haven't um, I haven't done a lot of other work. Um, I've kind of stayed in that world, in the business world. But in the business world, um, I've grown so much emotionally by working with some of this, the business stuff that I've been doing because you have to become stable emotionally to be able to handle the pressure of... of being in business. Yeah. And and there's always these psychological or personal empowerment gems um that I find in these different business books and people hear me mention them. It's really hard to give two hoots about them when you're not in business. But um the personal development books of today of the current authors are are very different than they were 10 years ago. Yeah. Very different. And you know what's really funny? Is they're all doing magic. <laughs> That's yeah. why I like them so much is they're all doing my kind of magic. And my kind of magic is not um I don't don a gold lame robe, I don't pull out my affame, I don't have my chalice in front of me when I do spell work. I'm very much that kitchen witch. I'm very much that person who just pulls out what they need and calls in the energy that needs to be called in and, and asks that whatever is broken inside of me heals so I can bring this into my life. Yeah, it's um you know, so like I said, you know, I think that people should do should probably get rid of their philosophies of Samantha Stevens and do a little bit more Jackie Smith. <laughs> um we're done with season three. It's gone very fast, sir. Yeah, it uh it's been um uh, an interesting year because we decided to go a lot deeper this mm-hmm. year than we've done in, than we did in season one and season two. And, and, and I think know, we achieved our goal. And I would love to hear from our listeners on whether they like that or not. I, we've gotten some feedback that folks really have enjoyed that we've gone deeper and had fun with it. What, the thing is is that we'll deal with a heavy subject, but then we, we play with it and have fun and, and see how we can bring joy into our lives throughout the whole process. Yeah. But, and and the, the interesting thing that I think that... Uh, uh, with both of us, is that before we decide to do a show on something, it has either been inspired by something that has occurred in our life or something like when we did Danielle Laporte's Desire Map. It's something that the two of us worked through and read and mm-hmm. looked at before we decided to, you know, before we did the show. Um, so we're actually putting in our own particular blood, sweat, and tears 
into those particular shows as well. Um, and I have to say, again, I'm not done with, with this one yet, and I just started it, but my my doors are kind of blown off by women, food, and God. We may, we may have to talk about it next season sometime. And um, so, um, oh, I don't know if you know this, by the time this airs, I'll be on my way to um, to uh, Massachusetts. I'm going to be at Zuzu's Healing Arts um, doing readings and classes there on the um, 20, what, what day is it? On the 29th and 30th, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll be, um, I'll have a quick visit, I mean, possibly the 31st as well, and then it'll be a quick visit to Temple Fest um, in Salem, New Hampshire, with Christopher Penzik's group. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be somewhere on the East Coast. So if you're, if you're there on the East Coast and you want to book a reading, go, go holler at Zuzu's Healing Arts. <laughs> Patty's gonna be doing readings there as well. And so, um, and I, I should rephrase it. We're doing um, Akashic Record Sessions. Yeah. Which is a reading, healing, adjustment kind of shindig. So what are your big plans for your, your month off um, the radio? A lot of writing, a lot of getting ready for another year of school. And um, I'll probably go away somewhere this year like I did last year. So Nice. In August, um, my, my husband would shame me if I didn't talk about... Um, the shameless month of August, which is, um, if you follow me on Facebook, Coventry Creations, or Keep It Magic, or Jackie Smith, on any of the social medias, we are just doing a month of fun promotion of different Jackie's favorite things, because August is my birth month as well. Yeah. So we're just doing all kinds of crazy push, so um, there's goofy stuff. (laughs) I know, I've been pulling quotes. Yeah, quotes from me that I don't know about, quotes from me that I do know about. (laughs) Quotes from Jackie she doesn't remember. (laughs) I want to thank you, Jackie, this um, season. First of all, I want to thank you for how much of an incredible influence that you have been in my life through some of the biggest ups and downs that I've had over the past five years. Um, and um, I think that you're the cat's meow. You're one of my favorite people on the planet. And um, I love doing this show with you, and I'm excited about season four. Thank you. I I feel this absolute same way um, as that, that you have been a huge blessing in my life and that um, you're one of the positive people that um, have helped me make some really positive changes. And... Um, wherever you are, whatever part of the world you are, um, your voice brings me um, brings me lots of solace. Well, I'm glad. And lets me talk a little crazy. <laughs> and you go, are you not being crazy? <laughs> yeah, you're one of the few I let in there. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, I'm looking forward to season four. I have some challenges I want to meet before season four starts, and so maybe I will. I mean, we can tell you about them until I can actually maybe possibly make them happen. <laughs> <laughs> and Jackie and I will see you guys again in September, but I'm not going to play Speak Life. Um, I'm going to be playing a different song, which is a song that I chose for Jackie um, during our last radio show because I think it really sums up um, who she is as an individual. Um, um, But in the meantime, Jackie, what do they need to do? They need to keep it magic. Speak life, everybody. We'll see you in September. Plastic bag 
like a house of cards. I'm bloke from caving in. 